to start in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll expand. We're on a little journey to look at the person of the Holy Spirit and um, what He means to us. And phenomenon, we've been studying the book of 1 Corinthians and we've been dealing with spiritual gifts and I felt led to um, deal with the person of the Holy Spirit because it's easy to say that I have these gifts from the Spirit and what does that mean. But um, if you read the letter to the Galatians, you'll find out that um, they had stumbled into something that I see that is alive and well and in some cases thriving in the church today. And it's basically this, <clears throat> having begun in the spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? And um, I think it causes us great grief. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read these first three verses and then I'll get up to speed and we'll see what's going on. Father, we come to hear from you, come to hear your word, the amazing things that you do, Lord. I just praise you for drawing us this day. Father, I praise you for your spirit. Father, how the amazing power of your spirit and your people bring us this day to strengthen us, to teach us, Father, to encourage us, Father, to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ as we are being transformed from glory to glory as we saw last week. Help us, Lord. Help us. We beg you. Overcome the frailty of our flesh. The frailty of human wisdom, human philosophy. Father, let us draw upon the deep riches of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sons of God, join heirs with Christ. To your praise and glory. Amen. Paul writing to this church, these churches in an area of Asia Minor called Galatia. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to know from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? This is an ongoing problem that exists in the Christian communities. Uh, it's the difference between true Christianity and what I call religion. Religion believes that I can do X, Y, and Z, and God of creation will be thrilled to death over it. And we've been looking at a lot of this. The word that he uses there, bewitched, is to charm somebody, to make them feel like, to make them experience, to make them believe something because you're saying wondrous things about them. And that's basically the phrase that he's using here. Who's bewitched you? Somebody had bewitched this group of believers and they believed that they could become perfected. They could become complete in their own energy, in their own energy. And he asked them, <clears throat> did you get saved because you took the Bible and just did everything that was in the Bible? And it's impossible. It's just flat out impossible. You can't do it. So you will walk holy because you're just going to memorize the Bible front to back? 
and therefore I am now holy. And that was the issue. I see this a lot today, and, and I dealt with it, and, I, and I'll bring it all back into a package. But I want you to think about that for today, because when you came to salvation, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, how was it done? And, and if you don't think it isn't bad, in just a few, I moved to Colorado in 19, uh, I think it was 78 or 79. And <clears throat> when people got into hard times, um, usual counsel was you need to find a church. Just go to a church and you, you, you did it help you. You know what? I'm nervous about saying that today. Okay, within 15 years time, if you went to a church and you asked the people who were coming out, okay, did you worship? And if their response was yes, 15 years ago, if you asked them, how do you know you worshiped? They would say the word of God was preached. If you asked them today, they come out of the church, did you worship? And ask them how they know they worship. You know what they'll say every single time? The music. There's great music. And therefore I worshiped. What happened? What happened? Well, I can tell you what happened. Men have decided how they're going to worship. And we have become so arrogant, we can literally come before God and say, I would like to have contemporary worship, I would like to have blended worship, or I would like to have traditional worship, or whatever. And yet Eli's sons went and worshipped God in their own way, and God struck them dead. There's more written on how to worship God than there is on the seven days of creation. So I'm thinking that this worship thing is kind of important to him. And yet, what are we trying to do? We try to do it in our own strength, and which is what we've been looking at. You never got saved in your own strength. You got saved from hearing by faith. You heard the gospel preached. And in the hearing of the gospel preached, what happened? God pierced your heart, and you came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So now that you're saved, what do you do? And that's what we've been looking at. We looked at over these last few weeks. I'm looking through seven things. But some of the things that I want you to remember is God gives because that I am saved. And I'll deal with what happened at the instant moment of salvation. But because I am saved, I now have intimacy with God. I can call him Papa. Abba. I have that kind of union now with God. Not only that, because of that union with God, I have illumination of the word. The word becomes real to me. The word becomes revealed to me. It is literally God speaking to me. In that, because the word is alive, it glorifies Christ through me, through us who are saved. See, as I go into the scriptures, I don't ever look at scripture as how am I supposed to respond? I always study scripture on what is Christ showing me of himself. And as that happens, God's Christ's glory gets brighter and brighter. And the more I become hearers, of his glory, I become a bearer of his glory. And we looked at that in depth last week. 
And then the, because of the illumination of, because of the intimacy with God, because of the illumination of the word, because the glory of Christ is produced through us, what happens? The Holy Spirit also guides us into God's will. Into God's will. That's what we're going to look at today. He reveals his will for you and for me through his scripture. He guides us. Now listen, I want you to understand something here. It is personal. It isn't this great, big, magical, mystical, he wants us to be holy. And now cruise and do whatever you want to go do. He is very intimately involved in your life. You may not know it. You may not even believe it. That still doesn't make it true. Not true. Because I've seen it. He's very involved in our lives. <clears throat> and this is actually a personal ministry of the Holy Spirit. That we will know the will of God. It should be... You know, you know I, I go through this and I look at it and I say, I want to walk in the Spirit. Okay, now walking isn't this, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It's second nature. None of you in here struggle with walking except Steph. So. Okay, well, there was another girl that I seen the other day. She's a dancer and she just fell one day. She was just standing there and she just fell over. And I was like, okay. Anyway, was yesterday is kind of a shock. I was like, is that walking difficult? I mean, you know, every once in a while. But, but normally, <laughs> when we get up to walk, we don't sit and process a bunch of thoughts through on now stand up, straighten my knees and get my balance now and make sure my big toes counters with my heel and I'm going down and then I'm going to lift up my leg. And we don't do that. We just get up and go do it. Some of us might want to try to concentrate a little more, but normally you just get up and you get up and walk, right? If I walk in the spirit, it should be second nature. And I should be want to be walking into the will of God, correct? You know what? There's no better place in all of creation than in the center of God's will. There's no better place. Okay? Wherever that is. And yet, I watch people struggle with God's will. Why? You, you act like God has a will for you and he's got it hidden back here and you can't find it. Nah, 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 nah. Okay? That's not true. God has a desire for you to be in his will. He doesn't hide it. You may not want to walk in it. I always say that prayer, that outline for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. When I don't believe it's the Lord's Prayer. It's sort of an outline. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really? You really want that? You're, I mean, you really really want that? I mean, we are oh, Father who art in heaven. All right? Do you really want that? If you're saved today, that should be the overriding passion of your soul. And yet, that should be visible. And yet, I just can't find his will. And I'll deal with that. Why, why do we make it so hard? Because i got news for you. In my life, I can honestly say finding God's will has never, ever been a struggle. I may not like what I'm hearing, but finding his will has never been difficult. I mean, he may show it to me, and I'm sitting there going, I think you're talking about somebody else. Uh, I remember when he drew me to the pastorate. On the top 1.5 million things I want to be when I grow up, pastor ain't on the list. 
And he says, but I want you to, but I don't want to do that. And I fought him. Okay, I did my best. I wanted to grieve the spirit. I did my best to quench the spirit. And then it dawned on me after about eight months, I'm not going to win at this. I am just, this, is, this isn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Why? Because God's will was, you do this. Let me show you some stuff that we don't think about. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. It's page uh, 1222. Okay, and if it's not in your Bible, repent. No. Ezekiel, I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 36. This is a text that we all read, we all know it, but I think we miss something in this text. This is the new covenant. Okay, that would be the New Testament for us. Okay, and how this is going to manifest itself, verse 27 is where I want to kind of fall into, but verse 26, he's kind of given the context. Chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Moreover, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. We quote that and we just think we're the berries. Okay, here's what he says. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes that you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Okay, and we sit there and go, oh, isn't that cool? Holy Spirit indwelt, it's going to be a blast. Don't you find that fascinating? Read the text. What does the text say? If it was up to you to read the Bible and go do it, then you don't need that verse. He says, I will cause you to walk in it, but you need to be reading it. Why? He still has to cause us to do it. I will reveal it to you. I will reveal it to you. If all we had to do was follow the scripture, he wouldn't give us his spirit. We can't follow the scripture. We can't do it. Listen, the Sanhedrin, that would be the council of 70 that crucified Jesus Christ. I've read some of their writings. They had an amazing insight into who God is and what God does. Amazing insight. And yet when God stood right in front of them, they didn't have any idea who he was. Okay, think about all the prophets of the Old Testament that were murdered because they, all they did was preach the good news. Sometimes it's bad news. But I mean, they were basically saying, here's God's holiness. And I see us in the church today doing the very same thing. If I memorize this, if I take this kind of study, if I do this thing here, if I do this thing here, you will what? You be holy? No. You are but a vessel. And God works through you. We looked at this last week in 2 Corinthians 3, chapter 18. He says, you are being with unveiled face, you're beholding in a mirror, or being transformed from glory to glory by the Lord's Spirit. What glory? Into His image. Whose image? Jesus Christ. You really going to go do that? Listen, I'll make it easy on you. If that's what you want to go do, I'm going to make this, I'm going to get rid of Ten Commandments, I'm going to get rid of all the 66 books of the Bible, I'm going to give you two. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Go. We're done. You know what? Every time I've tried to do that, God has put one of the most miserable individuals on the planet Earth right smack dab in the middle of my life. He says, now love them as you love yourself. I don't even like that person. I don't even want to be in the same continent with that person. Okay? How well do you do with love the Lord your God with all your whole soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength? The Spirit, God speaking through Ezekiel says, I'm going to put the Spirit in my people. I will put their word in my, their heart. I will put it in there and I will cause them to do what? Walk in it. So that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is directing your life. He doesn't just help us to know. He enables us to do it. Why? Well, truthfully, we're kind of on the helpless side. I mean, on a good day, we can't get it done. But the Spirit through us, because of what Jesus Christ has done, He's given us the Spirit. And all of a sudden, this all happens. You know what? I was reading Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And following through there, the pastors were had gathered in Antioch, Syria, and they were gathered together and they were teaching other pastors and there's growing what we would call church planters and all these wonderful things was happening. And all of a sudden they had a burden laid on all these pastors. I mean, you had guys like Barnabas and, and Paul, you had Paulus was there, you had all these brains of the foundation of the church and they're all there just investing and ministering to one another and to other, uh, other shepherds and, and they're just spreading the gospel out of Syria. And they all started praying. They all started fasting. And they all came up with a conclusion that the Holy Spirit said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for me. I have work for them. How's come I can run into Christians who says, well, I think I'm being called to do this or I think I'm being called to do that and I think you ought to go do this and I think you should go do that and there is no unity. What happened? Well, God's will for you is what? And God's will for you is what? And yet I see people who are literally running around America, some places, the whole globe, claiming to be doing this stuff for God, and they ain't talking to anybody about it. They ain't talking to anybody about it. You know what? People ask me, how come you had such a passion for the people of Russia? Are are you Russian? Nope, Scottish. I don't even like Russians. I grew up in the Cold War. Some of you in this room don't even know what that is. Okay? I grew up in the Cold War. Why? Russians were trying to blow us up and we were just waiting. You shoot, we're shooting back. Okay? That's how I grew up. So why do you have a passion for the Russian people? I, I don't. I do have a passion for the book. And I run into a whole bunch of people in Russia who have that same passion. And God said, and I've been trying my best to get you people to go. Go. Go teach these people. It's kind of weird. It's, you know, you get to see Jesus come before anybody else because you're 12 hours ahead. (laughs) But, you know, and it's kind of weird. And and if you go like me, every time I go, it's armpit deep snow everywhere. And I'm thinking, I, I told you about the tank. Did I tell you guys about the tank? 
I seen a guy took a picture, and there's this great monument of this tank battle, and it's got all these flowers and this tank sitting up like this. Every time I've seen it, it's a big pile of snow with a barrel sticking out of it. And I, what is that? It's a monument. Okay. All right. Why do I have that passion? I don't have a passion for a people. I have a passion for Christ. I have a passion for his word and people who want his word and want his, to, to walk in his power. I'm iron. I'm on it. Okay, as long as I don't have to go to Salina, Kansas. I'll go anywhere. Because I've been through Salina, Kansas. Anyway, why? These pastors in Antioch had a passion for what God was doing. They sought the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit united them and they were all in agreement. You ever, you read that verse, and I'm not going to go to it, but if you read that text in Acts 13, have you ever wondered what Bible verse they were using to get God's will to find out that it was Paul and Barnabas to go? Did you ever wonder? I mean, they were all gathered together, and all they have to do is get into the book, right? And we're going to find out that the Holy Spirit wants Paul and Barnabas to go. What text were they using? It wasn't written yet. <laughs> Luke wrote it later after they had already gone. See what I mean? And yet, how many of us are actually willing to bow before the throne in the unity of the saints and beg God, show me what you would have me do? Wow, that's kind of embarrassing. Think about it. You don't think that ain't embarrassing? Ask yourself how you felt the first time the pastor or the somebody said, could you close us with prayer? And you immediately get that sick feeling in your belly that says, he wants me to speak openly. Right? I'm still in counseling from the first time I was asked to pray. I don't know if I'm ever going to get over It's going to be a scar that I'll bear for eternity. I'll never forget it. Could you pray for the offering? Can we do it silently? Why? Because, see, when you go in prayer, you're going in absolute humility. I have nothing to bring. And I am begging the Spirit of God. Give me guidance. How many of us are doing that? How many of us, thy will be done? They prayed and they fasted and they asked God through his spirit to reveal to them what was going on. Give us the answer. What would you have us do? How many of us do that? I, I know how it works. Well, I think God needs to get me a new car. So I went down and picked one out and I'm praying that the financing would go through. Therefore, God has given me a car. Really? No, I think it's your credit record. I mean, God had anything to do with it. If God gave you a new car, it would just show up. What's really cool, if God gave you a car, it'd never break down. And it wouldn't need gas, wouldn't need oil, it wouldn't need tires. I'm thinking, I want that one. And he keeps saying, you can't handle it. So I don't have one. So I don't, when I got ready, when I get ready to buy, I just bought a truck. And everybody said, well, did you pray about the finance? No, I know I can get the financing. I just need to get it where I want it. And God ain't got nothing to do with it. Why? I got to pay the bill. <laughs> that ain't walking in God's will. I had to have a vehicle. That was a need. God said, sure, go down and get your need. Take care of it. No big deal. But how many of us on a daily basis say, give me my daily bread? 
Most of us are saying, hey, God, I'm going to McDonald's for breakfast. You want one? How many of us are truly seeking his will? Here's the key. Romans chapter 12 says, verse 1, I beseech you by the mercies of God to do what? Present yourself as living sacrifices, holy and pure. This is your act of worship. How can I do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will know what is the... No, no, no. The perfect will of God. Here's your problem and my problem. I want to be a living sacrifice. Let me pick the altar. Right? I, I guarantee you, every one of you in this room this day are eager to be a living sacrifice. Why? That's better than a dead sacrifice. Right? I want to be a living sacrifice. Absolutely. And I want the altar to be a recliner with TV control. And I'll do it for your glory. I got news for you. That ain't the way he does it. Because he's going to put you in the place that you are the most uncomfortable place you can get in. Why? Because who gets the credit for it? God does. Why? It ain't your abilities. It ain't your talents. It is God working through you. And if you want to know the perfect will of God, then you're going to not be conformed, pressed into the mold of this world, but you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Acts chapter 15, verse 28, the Jerusalem council came together and they were perplexed, completely baffled. Gentiles were getting saved. They couldn't believe it. I can't understand this. How can Gentiles be getting saved? And so they were struggling and they came down with the reports and they even had that guy who was out murdering Christians. They even had him come in and he says, no, I've seen the Holy Spirit come upon people. Uh, John and Peter had gone out to Samaria and those were worse than Gentiles. Gone out there and said, you know, the Holy Spirit came down and saved them people. Never seen anything like it. So what do we do? And the Jerusalem council came together. The first preacher, by the way, was James, Jesus' half-brother. They come together, they're praying, and they're going to meet, and they said it became clear to us that we need to write a letter because it is good to the Holy Spirit. And then I like that little phrase Luke puts in there, and to us. Okay, Holy Spirit said we should do this, and we think it's a good idea. That's the way we are, isn't it? A lot of times we think it's a good idea and hope the Holy Spirit is running along with us. They call, they came into an agreement which they knew was the mind of the Spirit. You know, I, used to, I said this and I'll say it again. I used to say all the time, doctrine divides. I mean, everybody wants to be unified, everybody wants to be unified, and doctrine just divides us. And it came clear to me that I was wrong. Doctrine unites. Why? The doctrine is looking into the mind of God. If I look into the mind of God, then guess what? We're all looking at the same God. He's not a genie in a bottle. Okay, he's not the, the magic guy. We want to find his purpose. We want to find his plan. These people in Jerusalem all came together and they agreed. You know what is so cool about it? When the saints come together seeking God's will and the power of the Holy Spirit, I can spot it a mile away. I can just spot it. It is so clear. You know what the biggest idea is? There's a confidence in the hearts of the people. The people say, yeah, this is no big deal. Let's do it. 
There's a confidence. How many times have you sought God, sought God, sought God, sought God? You didn't tell anybody, but you were seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God. And then you kind of walk down this little little path. I'm just going down, going down, going down. And it looks all right. I hope it's all right. I think this is going to work. I, we're going to be okay. Where's the confidence? Listen, if God is with you, who can be against you? And when you see the unity of the saints in the understanding of who God is, seeking the will of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the saints just walk. They have a confidence that says, we are only right on track. But it seems, no. I, it, regardless of what's going on around you. It's regardless of what's going on around you. I, to this day, I have no idea why God wants me to go to Russia. I have no desire. It's not a desire of mine. I, I don't know why. I have no idea. Okay? But I just keep preaching the word. I, I think that I'm there to show them how not to do it. And anyway, but I just keep going and going and going. Why? And I see things happening. That's why when this trip came up, it kind of come out of the clear blue. I was expecting next spring, <laughs> my typical time, you know, when it's all fun. But, you know, I, I expected it. And all of a sudden they called and said, we'd like for you to go. And I said, I, uh, we'll pray about it. Well, we've already been praying about it. Well, why didn't you tell me? Because I'd have been praying, God, don't listen to these yahoos. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? All right, and the thing is, is I know that if this is what God wants me to do, I will be confident and I'll go. And I don't have a problem. Nobody's going to stop me. We've got to get a hold of that. When I see people sheepishly walking, I think God wants me to go do this. Then you haven't sought him. And it's easy to usually, because most of the time, we don't seek the counsel of others. Will you help me pray about this? Can we draw together? Can we reason together from the scriptures? Let us draw, maybe even fast. Let's pray. Let's weep at the throat of God. What would you have us do? Listen, those of you in this room, who have ever known in your heart the Spirit of God was leading you? Okay, boy, I hope there's somebody in this room that has that. Okay, but you knew God was leading you. Were you confident? I'm always confident. When the Spirit of God is leading me, uh, I am, I'm a serious pain. The Spirit of God is leading me, just move. And, you know what? and I could care less whether you want to go with me or not. I just, I'm going, why? Because I have confidence in it. Well, that's walking in the, uh, the Spirit. That's obedience. The Spirit of God personally guiding you into the will of God. And it's specific. It's specific. I, golly, we got to get a hold of this. I watch people who go, I'm going to do my education because of this. Have you sought God? Well, I, I asked him about it. And he gave me financing for my college, so evidently he gave it to me. God didn't, shouldn't have financed it. He's got cattle on them hills and things like that. Okay. How many of us really seek God? How many of us seek God in our careers? I'm praying for my kids' spouses now. And they ain't even married. That it's a God-given spouse. It is a man or a woman whose number one fear is reverence for the Most High God. That's what I want for my kids. Why? My kids said, Dad, what can we get you for Christmas? For your birthday, what can we get you? Walk with the King of kings and Lord of lords with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Well, but dad, that's all I want. And you know what? I pray that for my kids. I pray that for my church. Why? We, we have a tendency that when we have, uh, I've got this little pain right here, and I'm supposed to go in for an MRI or something. All of a sudden, we become serious prayer warriors, don't we? God, help me. Right? But what about your daily bread? Well, I, I can do that. I can do that. And we wonder why there's times you just ever felt like you were out in the middle of nowhere and couldn't figure out where God was? You know what? You are. You're outside of his will. You might as well be out in the middle of nowhere. And that's what we're looking at. The Holy Spirit is already given. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. I see people today who are definitely not careful to observe what God is doing. I had people ask me, you're a pastor and it's almost like you're saying you should be in church whenever the doors are open. I said, well, I don't don't say that. They said, well, what it sure sounds like. I said, what's your alternative? I can go be with the saints of God or the disciples of Satan. Uh, Which one do you want? But some of them saints of God, yeah, I know. But just like disciples of Satan. Okay? But I still have the alternative. What's the alternative? I can be in the world, pressed into its mold, or I can be transformed by the walking in the Spirit, renewing of my mind. I don't know. That's the only way I want to live. Romans 8.14 says, As many are the sons of God, they are being what? Led by the Spirit. You know what that means, right? I can see it. I can see it. It's easy. Why? It's a confidence. They have a confidence. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about complacence. I'm talking about no matter the circumstance in that person's life, they can walk in. Let me show you what David, everybody knows about David, right? He, he was from a dysfunctional family. And then he replicated it. In Psalm 143, verse 10, it says this, Teach me your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. <laughs> Have you ever heard people describe their walks? You know, I'm on a spiritual high, and I'm on a spiritual valley, and I'm on a spiritual this, and I'm a spiritual up. And, and you hear some of these Christians, and they're, and they're up and they're down, and they're up and they're down, and they're up and they're down. Why does David say, lead me on level ground? It's easy. Very easy. Why? I'm going to walk with you. And if I walk with you, what? It'll always be level ground. But at times it feels, well, who are you walking with? We get on a spiritual peak. If you know what a spiritual peak that I'm talking about, if you've never experienced that, then get saved. But if you're on a spiritual high, you should stay there. But if you come to a spiritual down, guess whose fault that is? And why do you feel like you have to climb back up there? Have you begun in the spirit? You are now perfected in the what? I want him. Lift me up. Lift me up. Why? Here's, I think, is our problem. Do I desire the will of God? Or do I desire, God, you save me. I'm going to enjoy what I got here, and then I'll go on and be with you in heaven, okay? 
And I see a lot of us doing that. I see a lot of us doing that. Uh, another one. Now, yeah, guys, I understand that David sort of had some problems, right? Somebody acknowledge me. You say, yeah, David had some problems. Okay? He had some goofy kids that uh, acted just like his father. Just like their father. <clears throat> one of his greater times of praise comes from Psalm 119, verse 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Let me ask you a question. What do you delight in? I mean, what is that one thing you just sort of, <laughs> it's all mine. I mean, we got a lot of stuff, right? I'm a Ohio State Buckeye fan. We're still number one, by the way. Um, it's hard to kind of see their games out here because everybody thinks CU's still looking for a win. Okay, but anyway, but you get that. And, and listen, I'm not against football, okay? But you know what? It's not a delight of mine. If I've got time, I'll watch it, okay? Click it on the radio or something like that. But it's not a delight of mine. You know what the delight of mine is? What are you doing, Lord? What are you doing in this situation? I get people who call me, can you pray about this? And then I always make them answer me later. What was the answer? I've had people call me and say, you know, I, I was just going to go do this and it's going to be a peaceful time. And all of a sudden God opened this door and this went through. And I just delight in it. That's just so cool to watch what God's doing through his people. Why? Because that's what I seek for. In verse 133 of that same psalm. Oops. <clears throat> says this, establish my footsteps in your word. Do not let iniquity have dominion over me. Establish my footsteps. Let me walk in this. Have you ever read the, the confessional psalms? That, that's when uh, I call it David got busted. Okay? I mean, uh, what happened with Bathsheba and Uriah and all of it sort of came out and everybody kind of knew. Or not everybody, but the prophets were coming and saying, let me explain this to you. Okay, verse 6 of Psalm 51 says this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Okay, you know what they're saying right there? I want to go the way you want me to go, but I've got this little problem with adultery and murder that's sort of in the way. Okay? I mean, that's what he's saying. I mean, you know, you may... Do you have an offense against God? Okay, David had a little problem. Okay, I mean, he had a child on the way with a woman who wasn't his wife, and so he concluded, I'll kill her husband, and therefore, ho, ho. Okay, and God said, what, do you think I left or what? I'm on vacation? What, I sneezed and see this happen? Okay, so he goes before God and says, establish me in your truth. What? I mean, you don't have to be a theologian to say, you know, I think adultery is probably a sin. Okay, and I'm thinking that maybe murder, it, that's more than just a morally challenged. Okay, and yet he says, establish me in your truth. I find that fascinating to me. I know a lot of people says, Lord, I love you. 
You know, and ain't that what we do? You know, I just, well, I don't, you know, be cool. You know what? Paul understood this. Romans chapter 9, verse 1, he says, The Spirit knows my conscience. I beseech you in my conscience. I see so many who are paralyzed because they can't solve their problems. They don't have any idea where to go. They don't have any idea what they need to do. They don't even know where the Holy Spirit is. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people who are paralyzed. And and I mean, whatever happened to the Holy Spirit? And the issue is they don't have a desire for him. Why? Because they have an offense that God has just got his thumb down on them and they don't want to deal with that. You know what, God? I know that that was a, an issue with you, and, and, but I'm under grace. And I'm just going to go on, okay? We'll just go on from here. What do you think? Mano, mano, buddy, buddy. And God says, No. We deal with this. David was smart enough, even as evil as he was, he was smart enough to say, I've got to get this thing fixed. And I see Christians stumbling around in the dark like drunk, blind drunks, trying to find the will of God. And they said, I just can't find it. I just can't find it. I just can't find it. And what they're saying is, I've got holding on to something and I ain't letting go of it. And I'm going to wander around like a blind drunk. Why? Because they haven't brought it before God and said, this is an offense against you. David, when he sinned, when he had Uriah murdered, Okay, put him in a battle situation where he was going to get killed. David planned it. All right? He didn't go up and say, you know, I have sinned against Uriah. He said, I have sinned against you. I watched Christians run around trying to make relationships with other people, and they haven't understood that the sin is against God. That's crazy. People who live in the Spirit... People who walk in the Spirit, people who are guided by the Spirit, as He works in their conscience, He will lead them into His will. That's the battle. I don't have to go look for a demon. I understand that the battle is my spirit against the Spirit of the living God. That's the battle. I already have the victory, Romans 8 says. I may not believe it. See, Why would I back away from that? Why would we, who exist in the heavenlies, want to live in the earthlies? Do it by earthly. By I gave you three. Experience, pragmatism, and psychological sanctification. Why would I want to deal with those? Why would I want to try to walk with God in my own strength? Here's what Arthur Pink said, quote, Those who are directed by this divine spirit are moved to examine their hearts and take frequent notice of their way, mourn their carnality and confess their sins and earnestly seek grace. How many Christians do you see today who mourn their carnality? How many Christians today do you see confess their sins? And to confess doesn't mean I run around and find a priest. Please don't start calling me. 
Okay? I spent enough time dealing with mine. I don't have to listen to yours. Confess your sins means that I'm in agreement. You know what, God? You're right. That's sin. Help me overcome it. I don't have to run to, you know what, I need to call a pastor today because, boy, this girl went walking by me and I just about run into the post with my head. Thank God I wasn't driving. Okay? That ain't what it means. It means, you know what, if I looked on that woman with lust, Father, I looked on that woman with lust. I am so sorry. Help me. Okay? Spiritual maturity isn't, well, I looked at that guy or that girl and well, did want it. No, man. If you play with it, you're in sin. Just let it go. Let it go. Be gone. I don't need it. Do you understand that God has only given you everything you need for life and godliness? That's all. The spiritual and the temporal, you have everything you need. So why am I busting my neck to try to get more? All right, I'm going to ask you guys some questions right now. We're, we're almost done with this. I want you to understand that God deals with the specific will in your life, the little things, okay? If you really are led by the Spirit, how can I know His will? And you just said, but today ain't memorizing the Bible because Ezekiel said that, you know, I'm going to put the statutes in there, I'm going to walk by. I got four things I'll give you. Okay, four things. One, we just looked at David. Are you moved to examine your own heart? Be real careful. I don't need you out examining everybody else's heart. Your own heart. Examine your own heart. David understood that. Put me back in truth. I need to be back in truth. Okay, you know what? I see people... I just don't go to church because the Christians made me mad and the preacher made me mad and that person made me mad and they should have made me mad and this could have been, you know, they're not a Baptist and they're not a Presbyterian and they're not a Pentecostal or they're not, they're whatever, okay? You know what my Bible says? Do not forsake the assembly together which is the habit of many, okay? That's what my Bible says. Well, but you don't understand. Oh, I don't care what your experience is. I really don't care what your experience is. I got to go with what my Bible says. My Bible says there's a unity in the saints and they serve one another. It's kind of crazy. Never seen anything quite like it. Okay? So do I examine my own heart? Most of the times, if you have a conflict with another Christian, you're at fault. Okay? Second thing. Do you find yourself always wanting to examine your heart to see if your motives are right? If your motives are right. What's my motive? What, these things that I'm doing, why, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for my glory? Am I doing this for somebody? You know, I did this and this and this and this in the church and nobody ever even gave me an attaboy. I can't believe it. They just don't appreciate nothing. I've heard Christians say that. I heard Christians say that. And you know what's amazing about that? I myself believe that the single most important job that exists on the planet Earth is the pastor. Okay, not because I am one, but I don't believe that there's enough money in the world to pay a man of God. I don't believe there's enough money. Why? 
He's only dealing with the eternal souls of people. That's all. Not only that, Hebrews says that he's got to give an account for those who have been entrusted to him. And some of you guys are hard to account for. Okay? But he still has to do it. He doesn't say, well, you know, I'm going to give an account, but I don't there. You know, and I've tried it. God, they're yours. They're not mine. I'd have never bought that lot. Okay? And God says, I bought you, didn't I? And then, okay, fine. Okay? But what is my motives? What is my motives? Because if I'm examining my heart, you're going to find your motives to get exposed. I remember a guy one time told me, he says, don't you, wish, don't you wish that sin had a smell to it? And I said, what? He said, if it had a smell to it, we'd, have, we'd be able to notice it quicker. And I said, good golly, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> I give a whole new meaning to stink. Okay, but anyway, you know, but my motive wasn't right. I understood his motive. His motive says, you know, we'd be sensitive to it. Well, I'm sensitive to it, and I don't need to smell it. (laughs) Okay, third thing. Do you take notice frequently of the way you're conducting yourself? Please be real careful with this one. Not the way others are conducting themselves. Not the way you think others should conduct themselves. But how do you conduct yourself? And then I would frequently. Frequently, how are you responding to this? Fourthly, do you mourn? Okay. Now, I want you to think about that word. I use that word intentionally. Mourning. If you've ever had a loved one die. Um, that's kind of, it's like, um, rips your heart out and you get that thing right there in your gut that you just, uh, it's a pain that is like, there's no help for this thing. Okay. Um, a few months ago, my very, a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, a guy that I had a chance to disciple and to walk with for years, I actually have known him longer than I've known my wife. Uh, his faith became sight. And there's still times that I didn't realize how much I called him and, and talked to him because there's still times I, I still have a cell phone number in my phone. And yeah, I mourn. I, I miss him. I definitely miss him. Okay, we, we've, been, we've been through a lot together. We're through a lot together. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you mourn that way over your sin? Because see, if you're dealing with those four, you're going to find the will of God. The perfect, specific will for every decision, everything you're doing in your life will be there. But you know where it's, do you see the emphasis of where it starts? It starts with you. It starts with me. Listen, I can't look out for your sins. I love you. I love you. But I can't look out for your sins. Why? I got my own that I have to deal with. And I need to be knowing what the will of God is in every circumstance, small, big, menial or not. Listen, this is evidence of a yielded life to the spirit of the living God. Moving in the spirit, knowing the will of God. Why? They're willing to look at themselves first. What are my motives? Look at myself before a holy God. That's the illumination of the word. I'm going to look at myself before a holy God and say, oh, wretched man that I am. What is the motive of this thing that I be doing? What is my motive for this? 
Do I take notice of my conduct? Do I see a change? Do I, can I look, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, I look and behold in a mirror and being transformed into the image of Christ. From glory to glory. It's getting brighter. It's getting better. I can see it more focused. Why? You think you can do that? You can't do that. But I'm taking stock of that. And my sin grieves me. Please, your sin doesn't even touch me. I love you. Your sin is against the Most High God. He died for you too. Okay? When it becomes public in the church, there is a responsibility for the church to deal with it. And we will and we have. But I tell you what, brothers and sisters, I have to look at my sin. And my sin breaks my heart. It makes me sick. And I praise God that it doesn't have a smell to it. Okay? And when I am not yielded in these ways, I don't go around asking for the will of God. I am not that stupid. Okay, listen. You began in the Spirit. All right? Remember? You're convicted of sin first. That produced repentance. That energized your faith. You were regenerate. You were born again. You were indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. You were immersed into the body of Christ, the church. You were gifted to serve the saints of God. You were secured in the Spirit and you were separated from sin and death. All of that happened instantaneously at the moment of your salvation. Instantaneously. Now I beg you, if that happened instantaneously, live your life on a different level. Not conform to this world, but transformed. Literally be what you claim. Little Christ. Now. Now is the time of your redemption. Now is the time of Christ. Now is the glory of Christ. And if you are saved this day, then the energy, the power, the enabling that only spoke existence into being indwells you. And if God is for you, move out of my way. Move out of the way. There is nothing to stop the body of Christ. Jesus himself says, I will build my church and the abode of the dead can't stop it. You can kill them and I'll save more than you can kill. And they'll become stronger and stronger and stronger and they will drive you nuts. And they will. Absolutely. That is us today, brothers and sisters. That is us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your church. Father, I think about just this act of praying. Father, the privilege that is involved in praying. Father, you have given it to us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your children, called by your name, join heirs with Christ, can literally have your ear any given moment, any given day, any part of the planet, any part of your creation. We can cry, Abba, Father. Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm us with your spirit. Mold us, conform us, help us. Father, I beg you, 
Let us weep over our sin individually. Father, let it be the desire of our bodies, the desire of our spirit, and the desires of our soul to know your will. Father, I know that this is what Jesus wants. Father, may it be beginning with me. In Christ's name, amen.